Nothing But Net, page 48. Ginny waits for me at the end of science. See you on the back court in five. I nod, feeling all kinds of desperate. I'm desperate for someone to hang with. I've done the playground wander for days now and it's exhausting trying to look like you're about to do something exciting or meet someone fantastic when actually there's sweet nothing going on when you are officially walking in circles like a directionless duck. I'm desperately worried though about playing basketball with a girl. I just don't get girls. The girls team who trained alongside us in Frankston were a whole different species. Every training session began like a reunion in the airport arrivals hall. I love you. I've missed you. You look amazing. And on they would go, talk, talk, talk about who said what and how it made them feel. Except when they were not talking, which also happened a lot, for reasons I could never work out and involved talking to other people about the not talking. With Spud and Oscar, it was simple. If I scored enough goals and we won, I was in. And when my scoring was down, they blew me off. No, they wouldn't win a friendship award with that effort, but at least I knew where I stood. Girls are more complicated. I know that for a fact. Home is a basket case of Nana's weirdness. Mum and Dad stressed out about the inquest and always in the background lurks Marfin, threatening to suck the life out of anything good. More than anything, I'm desperate to lose myself in a game. I make my way to the back court. As I pass the cafeteria, a lady sees me and waves. She's playing on her phone. Highest score? Four ground soldiers, five snipers, she says. She's good. Are you ready for your battle, she asks me. I think so. She swings into a step beside me. Perhaps I should be there, on the lookout, though I haven't seen him today. Possibly he's away. The idea of pipsqueak lady protecting me from doof is pretty funny, but I keep that to myself. I know that it's what it's like to be judged by your height. You should play, I say. I would rather, she says, be dismembered by a shark. But why? It's fun. It's a team sport. And you even get to win occasionally. From what I have observed, it's rough, there is sweat, and we don't even have a team. I muse on that as we arrive at the court, where Ginny is shooting baskets. She does a full double take when she sees a Lodi and looks a question at me. I shrug. Well, I don't know why Lodi wants to watch us play one-on-one, -on -one, or why she has appointed herself as my bodyguard. I'm not going to pretend I understand the workings of a girl's brain, especially not a mega brain like a Lodi's. I walk out onto the court. The asphalt is cracked, and I'll know about it if I take one of my famous bug stacks. But at least we're tucked behind the school buildings and no one else is around to watch. I'm heaps taller than Ginny. I must be able to use that advantage. She throws the ball up between us and leaps for it, and our bodies almost come in contact. And I see honey skin and, and smell apricots, and my brain is blaring, girl, girl, girl. And the team in my shorts is threatening havoc. 
um, so strung out trying to get them under control that she wins the ball, sprints towards the hoop and makes a shot. She moves really well on the court. She's nimble and zips this way and that. Whereas when I try to change direction, I'm like the Titanic stuck in a swimming pool. She's strong too. And if she muscles me out of the way, it would be humiliating. I focus on the ball, but each time I get close to her, I'm overwhelmed by her girlness, and pretty soon I'm being thrashed. 12-5, calls Elodie. When Ginny makes a brazen, spud-like steal from under my nose, I remember the rough hustle of Spud's game, and I realise what I have to do. Boy, 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 I mutter to myself, and it slows the craziness in my head, and I peg back some points. I level the score with a three-pointer and we take a break to get a drink. Lodi's mucking around on her phone. Any trouble, I ask her, teasing. She looks up. I've destroyed the opposition tank. There are many casualties. She looks satisfied. Meantime, when we restart, I'm the only casualty on the scoreline. Ginny wrong-foots me for an easy two points and then shows me a through-the-legs dribble to get her next hoop. You want to concede yet, she says. Thinking about it, I say. We pause as Summer, Lulu and Nissa walk past. Summer has her hair tied in a knot on top of her head and strands fall around her face. She is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. The team in my shorts remind me that they're alive and on standby. Watch out, Ginny, he might dack you, Summer calls. Pants free, P.E. My cheeks burn and my head spins and Ginny skips past me to goal. 18-12, Ginny says. Looks like you'll be organising that team. Are you two putting a team together? How romantic, Summer says. I glare at Ginny and Summer and the rest of the world. I'm not going to be organising the team because I'm going to win. Fighting words, Ginny says as she bounces the ball. I've got enough anger in my chest to fuel a come-from-victory. But Summer, Nissa and Lulu sit courtside and Nissa sings a love song, which makes Ginny scowl and my cheeks burn. Then Summer calls out jokes about Ginny and me hooking up and my brain can't control the team in my shorts and win. At the end of the game, the girls cheer Ginny and we shake hands. And there we have it, basketball fans, a sports reporter in my head says, Bugs goes down in an epic battle. It was a victory of court smarts over hype today, although Bug was clearly below his best. We can only wonder how far these two could go if they ever get to play on the same team. I walked to class in a lather of sweat and it's not just from the game. Frankie no friend starting a team from scratch in a week? Impossible. On Thursday, a lady catches me up on my way home after school and we walk together in silence. If you don't mind me asking, which species, a lady asks. I startle, huh? There are more than two million species of insect. I was wondering which one? Bug. She looks at me and her voice trails off. It dawns on me. You mean my name? I ask and she nods. Actually, it was because my little sister couldn't say Dougal. 
So she called me Boogle, which became Bugle, and then that became Bug. Elodie smiles. Evolution. Something about Elodie makes me feel safe to talk about myself. She's not judgy. For a moment, I wonder if I could tell her about Marfin. Would she be okay? I think she might. The problem is not Elodie, it's everyone else. At Bond Beach, people look at me differently once they knew. Even Oscar and Spud, who are meant to be my mates. Better off keeping it to myself, better for everyone. So it's not one particular bug then, she asks. I guess the long arms and stuff, maybe like a praying mantis. Did you know they have cannibalistic tendencies? After, oh, well, never mind. After what? She giggles sex, she whispers. I didn't expect that. Okay, maybe not a praying mantis. She's still laughing. The females are the cannibals. I think of Ginny wiping the court with me. Well, I can believe it. We stop at the lights. So have you thought about how you might recruit players for your team? I've thought about it. I throw up my hand. You know anyone? I don't play sport, as you know, she says, but I believe Summer, Nissa and Lulu are worth a try. They seemed interested in the game the other day, and the netball team has Mrs Boscarato as coach, so they may be looking for a change. We smile at each other. I can't see the paint-smeared, dreamy-eyed art teacher leading a netball team to a premiership either. I pause as we pass Bellbird Primary. Um, I need to collect my little sister. I expect Elodie to keep walking, but she doesn't. This could be a problem. If Elodie talks about the team in front of Becky, I'm in big trouble. And if Becky talks about Marvin in front of Elodie, I'm in crap up to my long skinny neck. We walk, we wait around as kids spill out of the school gates. I shift from one foot to the other can't see her I say you don't have to hang around that's okay lady says calmly Becky comes running up hey bug she sizes up a lady hi I'm Becky I'm a lady I start walking alongside the railway track gravel crunching underfoot trying to think of how to steer the conversation away from dangerous topics do you know what time the sun sets in Iceland this time of year I ask Becky's eyes widen. Why are we talking about Iceland? I don't know, Becky. It's all my empty brain could come up with. Elodie frowns. I don't believe the sun sets at all in Iceland in May. Correct. It was a trick question. You're weird, bug, Becky says. And I've got no comeback. We plot along in science. Silence. Guess what we did today at school, Becky says. I shrug. African drums, Becky says. She looks at Elodie. Are you African? Becky is always straight up. Sometimes I wish she wasn't. I am from Ethiopia, Elodie says softly, holding up her chin. But I am Australian too. Ethiopian, Australian. Did you play drums in Africa? Elodie smiles and shakes her head. I didn't, but some people do. Did you like it? Kinda. The noise was cool, but the boys in my class were acting so dumb, we barely got to play and our teacher made us have quiet time instead. Boys can be immature, Lodi says. Hey, I protest, not all the time. Boys are the worst. 
They are horrendopotamus, Becky says. Aloni and I exchange a smile at Becky's word for big scale bad. But I did get to colour in with my new textures. What sort of textures, Aloni asked. They're super thin ones Nana bought me. They came in cool colours, even metallic. I like a metallic texture, Lodi says. Becky rummages in her bag and pulls out one, pulls out her pencil case. Bronze, Lodi says, nodding. I'd like to try these out. I thought Lodi was just being polite, but now I'm wondering if I've joined a weird texture cult where we kneel and worship the bronze marker pen. Lodi turns to me. What about we make some flyers and put them up around the school? I don't, I uh, begin. Flyers, Becky, talks over me. Sounds like fun. It would be a good way to notify the whole year level, Lodi says. My heart races, but I can't speak. Becky glances from Lodi to me. What are they for, these flyers? Bucky's forming a basketball team at school. I find my voice. It's nothing, Becky, seriously. Becky looks at me round-eyed and I give her the slightest shake of my head. No, Marfin, please don't mention Marfin. If she spills it, I'm not allowed to play. Elodie will want to know why. Becky frowns like she's trying to read my cues and can't quite put it all together. Eventually, she shrugs. If you want to use my text as you can, to make your flyers. Thank you, Elodie says. That would be good. Bug, perhaps we could film you and Ginny playing. Use that as some sort of promotional material. Who's Ginny, Becky asks. She's the other player in the team, Elodie says. Making a movie is not a bad idea. I guess we could try posting it somewhere. YouTube? Elodie thinks about this. I think she says carefully that between us, we would have quite a modest online following. That's her polite way of saying, we're the nerdy side of cool. But I think we should do it anyway, she says, because we want to. And you never know. People watch cat videos, I say. Exactly, Elodie agrees. You cannot account for taste. Can I help, Becky asks. Before I can find an excuse, Elodie replies, we need all the help we can get. Now, Becky asks. I have to go home first, Elodie says, and practice my saxophone. I promised Mum. We arranged to meet at our place in an hour, and Elodie messages Ginny, who agrees to come. As Elodie turns off at her street, a million questions burn in Becky's eyes. <laughs>